what we do for God is not going to be by our might or our power, but by His Spirit, saith the Lord. If it's going to get done, it's not going to be done with our charisma and our savvy and our IQ and our our business head and our finances or any of that stuff. It's not by our might nor our power, God says, but by His Spirit. And so why do we need a series on the Holy Spirit? Because anything we're doing for God at this time in history or at any time must be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Let's turn to Galatians, please, at this time. Chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5. We're in a series, kind of doing a Bible study on the person of the Holy Spirit, kind of the neglected part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We've uh, maybe referred to him even as the shy member of the Trinity. He just kind of uh, seems to be in the background and and, uh, silent and unnoticed quite often. But very important that we understand what he is all about. And we're going to be talking today about being filled with, with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit and growing in the Holy Spirit. By way of background, the book of Galatians actually was written by the Apostle Paul, obviously, under Holy Spirit inspiration. And it's, a, it's a, an epistle that, that rebukes a group of churches in the region of Galatia for deviating from God's plan of salvation, which is totally by grace. It's the grace of God. It's not anything we can work for. You don't get to heaven by getting baptized or joining a church or taking communion or or doing anything else. It's been done for you. Christ said it is finished. And yet there were some churches that had gone back because of the wrong influence of the Judaizers to a lot of work stuff. And so Paul is writing this and he's kind of hands up in the air and he's frustrated and he's trying to straighten them out. And he, he, he lets them know in no uncertain terms that they were saved by the Spirit of God, not to go back to the works. And, and in verse 16, he talks about walking in the Spirit. In verse number 17, he, he says that the flesh works against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and those two can't really uh, get in sync. But then in verse 18 of this chapter, he says, if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. And he makes that clear. With that as a backdrop, then, he, he talks about what we know, and it's famous, the fruit of the Spirit. There are nine in all. Some, of, some people can name them. They probably wouldn't be a bad thing to memorize, but they're listed in verses 22 and 23. Here they are. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. It's talking here about the things that Christian people should have if we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Let's pray before we begin. Our Father, we come before Thee. We need Your help to listen, to understand, and to retain that which we're about to learn. Father, I do pray now that You would help us to be attentive at this time, and Lord, that we would be open and receptive to the truths that come from thy word. And, Father, that we would grow as a result of this hour. And Lord, use this time now to lift up Christ and glorify him. For we ask it all now in his precious name. Amen. 
So we're in a series on the Holy Spirit. And of course, the obvious question would be, why? Why do we need to know about the Holy Spirit? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Well, in the Gospel of John, and it's, it's chapter 15, Christ makes this statement. He says, without me, you can do what? Nothing. He doesn't say you're going to be handicapped a little bit or uh, hamstringed or, or uh, maybe just stunted a bit or struggle. But he says, without me, ye shall do nothing. We also find over in the Old Testament book of Zechariah in the fourth chapter that we are told this, that what we do for God is not going to be by our might or our power, but by his Spirit, saith the Lord. If it's going to get done, it's not going to be done with our charisma and our savvy and our IQ and our, our business head and our finances or any of that stuff. It's not by our might nor our power, God says, but by His Spirit. And so why do we need a series on the Holy Spirit? Because anything we're doing for God at this time in history or at any time must be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about this. 2,000 years ago... The Son of God came into this world. I mean, the Son of God Himself through a virgin womb. He lived a sinless life. And when it came time to minister at about the age of 30, He went out and He turned water to wine. He walked on water. He opened deaf ears. He, he opened blind eyes. He even raised dead people from the dead. Living a sinless life all the while. And finally, He died on a cross shed blood, vicariously paying for our sin, was buried, and three days later he rose from the dead, and he ascended up into heaven. Now when he ascended, he said, I want you to take this message to the whole world. Imagine taking that message to the then known world, and it being believable. How in the world are you going to tell people who've never heard any of this, that the Son of God came, and he was born of a virgin? They're going to go, yeah, right, sure. How are you going to convince the world of something so unbelievable without the help of the Holy Spirit? I mean, a virgin birth, a sinless life, a vicarious death, uh, rising from the dead. Where do you start? People knew none of that. Now, it was one thing for me to wander into a a Bible-believing church as a 20-year-old man and have somebody sit me down and talk about things like the Trinity. I, I already knew about that. I knew something about baptism. I knew something about the Bible. You weren't starting from scratch with me there. And most people in America, you don't have to start with scratch from from there. They've heard of Jesus Christ. In fact, you can go to Africa, and the, the gospel has made the rounds through Africa years ago. We find it going there way back in Acts chapter 8. And there's still now a, a knowledge of the things of God there and a respect for the things of God. So you can sit down and you can deal with somebody, and they have a general knowledge of this. But imagine back in the first century where nobody knew any of this. And there are still countries like that. You have to start from scratch. They are clueless about the things of God. And they were in the first century. So how are you going to do this? Well, you're going to need God's help, aren't you? Now, we can kind of forget that because, well, we, we live in a, quote, Christian nation. But folks, we really don't. And not only that... There are places where they know nothing of God, and and we need that message empowered. We need it revealed. We need it convinced to the listener. Only God can do that. 
We forget that, but only God can do that. We need the Spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit. In everything we do here as a local church, we need God's help. I need God's help right now. You know, I think of of the, the high school class I graduated in, I would have been perhaps voted the least likely to ever be a public speaker. I absolutely hated it. And I remember in college, even taking this uh, public speaking class, it was a group of guys, and the teacher said, I need a volunteer to come up here and, and just kind of stand behind the podium and, and uh, say a few words. And, and so we all pointed to kind of the, the class clown. It, his name was George. Take George! And, and so George got up there, and we're all going, and, and, he, and, and the teacher goes, how's it feel? And he goes, oh, it's kind of weird, and so on and so forth. I, I, I volunteered to be the last guy to give my speech in that semester and do that class because I absolutely hated public speaking. I was fine one-on-one or maybe with a group of, of friends or whatever, but getting up in front of a group of people, I died a thousand deaths. It is the last thing I'd ever chosen to do. And yet, with God's help, I can do it, you can do it. We can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth us. Honestly, there will be times, and I, I don't listen to myself on the radio, but I catch myself sometimes if there's nothing else to listen to. And, 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 I, and I'll listen to this and I'll go, wow, I said that? I said that? And honestly, as I listen to it, I go, that wasn't me. It really wasn't. And if you've ever preached, you know what I'm talking about. You, you listen to this and you go, that, 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 that wasn't me. It really couldn't be done without God's help. Only God can enable us to do because it, the Bible says, faithful is he that that calleth you, who will also do it. So if you teach a Sunday school class, do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. God will help you to do it. If you witness, do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you serve, do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Without Him, we can do nothing. Now, in our text here on the fruit of the Spirit, we find the Apostle addressing, first of all, the the works of the flesh. And we'll look at those in just a moment. But then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and he he rattles off nine things. And if you think you have all nine, I have news for you. You don't. In fact, if you think you've arrived, I have news for you. You haven't. There's a verse. If we had time to look at it, I'd take you there. But it's in Philippians 3, just a few pages forward. And I think it's verse 13. And Apostle Paul, no less, says, I count not myself to have apprehended. What does that mean? He's saying, I haven't arrived. I I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, I I don't possess everything I need to possess yet. I haven't obtained everything I need to obtain yet. And that's what that word apprehended means in the Greek. It's, it's only used three times in the whole Bible. Apprehended means to now possess and obtain. And Paul says, I count not myself to have figured it all out and have gathered it all in and have arrived. He says, no. And then he goes on, he says, but this one thing I do. He says, I'm still growing. Now, you and I are continually growing. The word adoption, we're adopted, right? Christ is the only begotten Son of God. We're the adopted sons of God or daughters of God, as it were. And that, that very word adopted speaks of a minor in the Greek. In, in fact, we are not adults. We're called children of God, by the way. So here we are, we're children, we're adopted, and the goal is to grow. How are we going to do that? How, how, how did Peter do that? If you read Peter's two epistles, the very last verse of the second epistle, and the very last that we hear from Peter ever, he says, but grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He talks about growing. 
He had uh, a little bit of an experience in that area. Uh, Peter had a long way to go and a long way to grow, but he had grown a lot. Now, think about what you were like a year ago, if, if you haven't been saved that long. Is, has there been a change? I hope so. Or maybe five years ago, if you've been saved that long, or ten years ago. Some of you have been saved 20 years or 30 years. And I want you to think about what you were like back then. Are you more Christ-like now? Have you grown? Has the Spirit of God taken more control of you? And you can say, yeah, I, I, I don't lose my temper the way I used to. I, I, I don't do this the way I used to. Now I do this the way I should. Now again, we've never gotten to the place to where we arrive or apprehended. And as the songwriter said, we're at any time prone to wander. And certainly we could wander. We all have that propensity. Here's the thing about growth. It's, it's not inevitable that we, 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 we're always going in this direction and we, we are, uh, we're staying up here once we're up here. You can actually revert back and be pretty backslidden. I, I think we all know folks who have gone backwards. Maybe that's where you're at right now. I hope not. But you can actually regress. Do you know, by the way, there was a, a, a mother who had a teenage daughter who was, the, the mother was getting older and not wanting to age, a common problem. And, and so she started uh, hanging around her daughter and her friends and dressing like them, talking like them and acting like them and doing their things and so on and so forth. And uh, that daughter grew on to her 20s, but the next daughter came along who was even younger and the mother actually started acting that age. She went from like 17 to 15. Then the next daughter came along and she was like 11 and the mother started acting like, like that one. And by this point, her husband said, something's wrong here. She was reverting and going backwards. And as her daughters were going older, she was growing younger. And she kept growing younger mentally and acting younger mentally and, and finally got back to being a, a child and, and an infant mentally and died. And the doctors were just, uh, there's a name for it. But just because you've grown to a place this way spiritually and reached this point does not mean you can't backslide, you can't revert to uh, maybe a, a, a more immature time in your life spiritually. So how do we keep going forward? Well, we have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to be walking in the Holy Spirit. As a child of God, we are children. We have to grow. Now, there are degrees of spirituality and walking in the Spirit. And you'll notice here in verse 16, Paul says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Notice verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, sandwiched in between those two verses are what we call the fruit of the Spirit. A lot of people call it fruits of the Spirit. It's not. It's, it's singular. This is a package that Spirit-filled people should have. The fruit of the Spirit. Let's look at them again. In verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. We know what that is. It's agape love. Joy. Peace, long-suffering or patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness or humility, and temperance, which means self-control. 
Now, these things, these nine things, which really are bundled up into one, are not the result of human effort. They're not the result of us saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to muster up this stuff and obtain this stuff and have this stuff. It doesn't work that way. How do we achieve the fruit of the Spirit? Do we focus on love? Oh, I'm going to love, Lord. I, I, help me to love. I want to love. And peace, Lord, give me peace. Help me and joy. <laughs> Lord, give me joy. I want to have joy. And, and we kind of just work it up kind of a thing. No, it doesn't work that way. Actually, all we have to do is walk with Christ because He possesses all these traits. And when we, we try to have a devotional life and a walk with Christ and a relationship with Christ and we walk in the Spirit, it rubs off on us. There's like an osmosis, if I might put it that way. It's not complicated. I find that God specializes in the simple. Have you ever noticed that? We come up with our theories and methods and, and you read all these books and, and you got all this A, B, C, D stuff here. But all we really need to do is develop a Christ-like walk with Him. And He possesses all nine traits, which, by the way, it's a bundle. And if we walk with the author of love, guess what? His love rubs off on us. If we walk with the author of peace, guess what? We are going to have His peace. If we walk with the author of joy, or the author of patience, or the author of meekness... And boy, he was humble, wasn't he? We're going to have his humility. And so on and so forth. And so you don't say, I've got to focus on this, 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 and this, and this. No, if you just walk with Christ, if you cultivate a, a walk with him, a devotional life, a uh, relationship with him, it rubs off on you. You know that if you hang around somebody, they rub off on you. I uh, have a very good friend who's with the Lord now, Dr. Hayes. And whenever I would uh, spend time with Brother Hayes, and he would leave town, my wife would go, you're acting like Brother Hayes. Why? Because <laughs> I'd been hanging around him. You just can't help it. Uh, it's the same thing with Larry Clayton. I love that guy. He, he means so much to me. And when I've hung around him for a few days, I act like him. Well, when we hang around Christ, if we have this relationship with Him, we don't have to go, okay, I'm going to focus on love, I'm going to focus on peace, I'm going to focus on meekness. It comes with a package. We're going to become like Him if we just seek Him. We're going to pick up on His ways, His mannerisms, if you will, His, his habits of, of prayer and such, and even gestures. You know, my kids act like me, and there are times when I see it come through, and, and there's no missing it. And if you hang around them, you go, yeah, they have their dad's personality. Personality is a contagious thing, isn't it? It really is. If you think about it, you don't have to try and become like somebody. If you hang around them enough, you're going to. So if we hang with our Savior, if I might put it that way, we're going to become like Him. And He's listed. His personality is, is in verses 22 and 23. Here's the apostles. They walked with Christ for three years. Think about this. Every moment. It wasn't so much a formal training. They just... We're with him all the time, watching him, listening to him, picking up on stuff, and it rubbed off on them. You know, I love that verse in Acts. I think it's in Acts 4, where uh, the apostles took their stand, and, and they were eloquent in what they said to the Pharisees and such. And, and, and the, the Jews took note that they had been with Jesus. The Bible says they took knowledge of them, that they had been with Jesus. Huh. 
They're like that Jesus. We thought we got rid of him, but now his personality has merged into these other men here. Why? They were filled with the Spirit. You don't have to read books about love. You don't have to read books about peace. You don't have to read books about meekness and all this stuff. If you just let Christ osmosis into us, all right? It's all a matter of who we walk with. And really, that works both ways. If we have the wrong associations, uh, we're going to be walking in the flesh. That's mentioned here. Notice verse 19. It says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Here they are. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling. Notice the works of the flesh. Much longer list than the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? And totally contrary to it. And if we spend our time in the wrong stuff, and we focus on the wrong stuff, uh, the hours in front of the TV or uh, surfing the net in, in, in links and sites we shouldn't be on and such, we're going to fit that description more than the other, sadly. That's our associations. That's what rubs off on us. But if we walk in the Spirit, as this chapter is talking about here, we will possess the fruit of the Spirit. Now look, if you would, a few pages back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And let's take it to the next step here. As we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, obviously the question is how. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But the first step, obviously, is just to walk with Christ, have a, a relationship with Him, a devotional life with Him, spend time in His Word, uh, talk to Him. Now, in 2 Corinthians 3, notice the last verse of the chapter, verse 18. It says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Notice it's the Spirit of the Lord who changes us, grows us up, and fills us, and takes us from glory to glory. I love that. Look back in Romans chapter 8, if you would. Romans chapter 8 is a chapter that is, is filled with a lot of references about the Holy Spirit. And again, it's funny how long we can be saved and read our Bibles and, and know the things of God and, and Jesus Christ and so on. But all these verses kind of slip by us on the third person of the Trinity. In Romans chapter 8 and in verse number 29... The Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, and how we are filled with the Spirit by just walking with Christ, and the whole package comes with him. He rubs off on us, and we are conformed to him. Now, notice this verse with that backdrop. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. That word means determined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now, there are some who look at that verse and say, well, it's teaching we're, we're predetermined to go to heaven or hell. But it's not saying that at all. It's not even about salvation. It's saying that when we get saved, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. What's that word conformed mean there? Well, it means to uh, form into. 
It's like uh, when I was uh, in high school, I did quite a bit of auto body work. I, I bought old pickups and I, I uh, took the dents out of them and what I couldn't, I filled with, with Bondo and, and auto body uh, putty and, and, and then I would sand it afterwards and I would try to form it into what the fender used to look like or what the wheel well used to look like with the grinder. Well, in the same way, we are to be conformed to what Christ looks like. And that's what this verse is saying, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed or, or molded into the image of his Son. So we're to be like Christ. But the question is, what is the Holy Spirit's part in all of this? We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Well, we're in the chapter, so look in verse 1 of this chapter. The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. How is that possible? Well, skip down to verse number 9. The Bible says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. It's talking about, first of all, being a born-again Christian. Okay, Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. We've talked before about what happens at salvation we're spiritually defunct or dormant before then due to sin. And at salvation, we are quickened or brought back to life spiritually by the Holy Spirit who moves in. Uh, he's a tenant now within us. He resides within us. And if he does not, you're not saved. That's all that verse number 9 is saying there. It says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So you're not a child of God. You know, a lot of clergymen say we're all God's children. No. If, if Christ does not reside within you, you're none of His. It goes on in verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, that's the Holy Spirit, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye should die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, that means put to death, the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And it works the other way around. If you're a child of God, you can be led by the Spirit of God. It's one of the fringe benefits, I call it. And one of the most wonderful things a child of God could possess is direction in life, guidance in life, spiritual perception, discernment, knowing what God wants us to do. That's priceless. It really is. Being led by the Spirit of God. Now, verse 16 goes on. It says, For your... For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Now, there's our word. We're still children. We've been adopted, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We've never apprehended. We've, we won't arrive. We're always growing, but the goal is to be filled with the spirit. Verse 16 says, The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That is glorious. Now, you say, how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, our part is to yield. It's so simple. It's so simple. We know what it means to yield. 
Um, Romans 12.1 says, present yourselves a living sacrifice. And it's talking about yielding yourselves. That means just uh, giving God a blank sheet of paper and signing your name at the bottom and, and saying, Lord, fill in the top, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I- I'm willing. You know, that's how we got saved. Yielding. You know, there's some people, and, and it's easy to complicate salvation, but it's really a yielding. We yield to the Lord. And that's how we are filled with the Spirit. We yield to Him. You yield yourselves. You know, sometimes we think it's this, uh, this really, uh, you know, firework kind of thing or whatever. It's not. Even salvation. Sometimes it's, yeah, there's fireworks and there's tears and there's laughter. And, there, and sometimes it's just so simple. You know, uh, when Saul got saved, he just arose and got baptized. You know, there's no fanfare there mentioned at all. When Matthew got saved, he just left his money behind. He followed, you know... Salvation can be very quiet, and, and sometimes the filling of the Holy Spirit is the same way. But we know when we're filled with God. We know when we're full of God. When we're in the likeness of Christ. It's called sanctification, and it's, it's quite a uh, process, really. I'll never forget when I was in Bible college, I heard a preacher make a statement. He, he said, at salvation, we get all the Holy Spirit there is to get. The only question is, how much does God get us? How much do we get, or give, I should say, as we go from grace to grace and faith to faith and and glory to glory? I think it was Spurgeon, I'm not sure, but somebody said this. They made a statement, and they said, the world is yet to see what God can do through one man who is fully surrendered to Him. I know this much. It was Moody who heard it. And Moody who said, by God's grace, I want to be that man. And he yielded himself. Now, he had all the Holy Spirit there is to have, but, but he gave more of Moody to God. And that's called the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, if you would. Folks, if we are going to teach in a spiritual sense, we need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to preach, if we are going to witness, if, if we are going to point people to Christ, if we're going to raise kids... We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit to make decisions. If you work with youth here, if you work with the bus ministry here, if you work at the radio station here, whatever it might be, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're admonished to be filled with the Spirit. In Ephesians 5, notice verse 18. It says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, the Bible condemns drunkenness. We know that. And yet, I think it's a sin also not to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, be not drunk with wine, whereas in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That word means controlled. Controlled by the Holy Spirit. How? How? Well, obedience, faithfulness, sincerely seeking, of course, but also asking God to fill us. And asking Him many times throughout the day, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Next time we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 11, and it's, it's uh, Christ talking about importunity. And, and, and that simply is an expression that means asking and asking and asking and asking. It actually is a, a Greek word that means much begging. Through importunity, we ask God to empower us and to fill us. I'll never forget listening to a message by Dr. L. Lacey years ago on the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It was life-changing. 
I, I, I've read many biographies. And by the way, Christian biographies are something everybody should read. As you read these and you read the stories of, of Moody being filled with the Spirit and walking down Wall Street in New York and, and the power of God falling on him and having to find a place aside where he could just get alone with God. When you read the stories of Christmas Evans and Charles Finney and George Fox and George Whitfield and George Mueller and, and the list goes on and on of these, these men and you read their biographies, you go, I want that. You know that Billy Sunday, whenever he preached, he'd open his Bible to Isaiah 61, 1, which says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he hath anointed me to preach the gospel and so on. Something I whispered just a few minutes ago before I, I walked up here. But when Sunday would come to towns, and by the way, he was in Fargo years ago, in the early days, the bars would close down because the power of, of God would come down. They had a power, folks. They were full of the Holy Spirit. Now, we can read our Bibles, and we, we see a number, and it says the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. The Spirit of the Lord came on uh, Samson. The Spirit of the Lord came on David. And we could go, well, that was for them, you know. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist was holy, filled with the Holy Spirit. But, yeah, it's, Pastor, it's a different day. Well, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So why do we discount it and count, our, count ourselves short and so on and so forth? The power of God is still available to us, folks. And we are commanded in this verse, verse 18, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Christ told his apostles to stay in Jerusalem until the Spirit of God falls on them. It did. And then they went out and they turned the world upside down. I'm not talking about some wildfire experience, but a quiet evidence that God is on us and in us. And the goal... I know it's with me, and I hope it's with you, is in the months ahead to know the fullness of the Spirit of God. God help us. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.